Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The psychologists in America have a phrase that I heard them use, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, they say, stinking thinking. And it is an indication that the way people think leads them into distress, leads them into trouble, leads them into bad situations. Simply put, that should indicate to you <clears throat> that the mind takes you in certain directions. And depending on the nature of your thought, the directions that you are taken are dependent on the kind of thoughts that you have. So, if your thoughts are positive, you'll tend to go in positive directions. If your thoughts are negative, you'll tend to go in negative directions. But this is only the beginning. This, this has to do with normative uh, behavior within the parameters of uh, the way a psychologist looks at it, which means if you can walk out in the street and not do anything outrageous, you're normative. Uh, but the, the holy men, the mystics, take it to another level. They say that in order for you to become real, or as the Sufi would say, insan kamal, a real man, perfected man, you have to go beyond duality. So what does that mean? What is duality? And duality has to do with your attachments to this world. We live in two different realms. We live in the realm of the spirit and we live in the realm of the body. And we do this simultaneously. The realm of the body is within the realm of the world, and that's the realm of creation. And we call that realm the illusory realm, the realm of illusion, the one that lasts for a specific period of time and then disappears. Now, if you are existent within the realm of illusion and you get your sustenance from the realm of illusion, and you look to the realm of illusion to maintain you and sustain you, and you think that it can, you are caught in duality. And what is that duality? That means that as opposed to one, there's more than one. There's you and everybody else. There's you and the things that you look at. The unity of things is not open to you. The unity of things is not seen by you. And this becomes what people believe is a normative state. They segregate and separate everything into categories. And there are lots and lots of categories and lots and lots of things in the world. The mystics 
tell us that there's a methodology to remove yourself from duality and to remove yourself from living in the world of illusion and entering into reality. In Sufism, reality is called Hak. Hak is one of the names of God. And Hak, if you truly understand it, is a transcendent state because now as opposed to living in the reality of the illusory world, you live in the reality of God's immortality, which is entirely different. What holds us back from Hak is our attachments. Our attachments to the illusory world and the belief system that is instilled within us that all of these things are important to us and we somehow can't let them go. This phenomenon is also known as karma. Karma is your attachment to things. Your attachment to the illusory world and the influences within you that attach you to the illusory world. So, in order to be done with duality and enter into transcendent states, states beyond duality, effort has to be applied. And what is the nature of this effort? First, if you are attached to your ego-centered personality, you are automatically in duality because you've separated yourself from everybody else because you say, I am. And as soon as I am comes into the equation, you are separated from the great I am, which is the one, as we say in Islam or in Sufism, Allahu Ahad, Al-God is one. So if we're one, then God can't be one. So we have to find the difference in our being that creates this separation. And that difference is our attachments, our karma, and our refusal to integrate into every other being in existence. We need to find a way where we treat all people as we would have them treat, our, treat us. The golden rule in almost all of the religious paths. But this takes letting go of self-motive. This takes letting go of constantly reinforcing the predominance of ourselves, reinforcing ourselves as the highest state of being, as the one who knows the most, the one who can do the most. It requires humility, but as humility enters into our equation, 
service enters into our equation. As we are capable of becoming smaller, we are capable of empathizing with everybody else in society and we become more of a help to everybody else in society. So as opposed to taking, which is the karmic way, we learn how to give, which is the way to release karma. So not only do we take on karma through our actions, we release karma also through our actions and through our actions of giving. Now, as long as we have an egocentric nature, our karma stays with us. And as long as our karma stays with us, our attachments stay with us, we are incapable of moving into a transcendent state. We are held back by our own thought patterns. We are held back by our own ideas. We are held back by our desires and by our needs. So we create our own situation. Now some karma is passed on to us, but a lot of karma is created by ourselves through the acts that we do. Now the only way to get rid of this is to become selfless. So if we hate, we have hate karma. And hate karma holds us in place. It doesn't let us move. It captures us. If we have jealousy, we have jealousy karma. Jealousy holds us in place. It doesn't let us move. It constricts us as a being. If we have anger, we have anger karma. It holds us in place. It doesn't allow us to be free of ourselves as a being. So we need to understand that our different attachments are what create our situation. And if we have hate, jealousy, and anger karma, we are a hate, jealousy, and anger-filled person, and we can't find peace. And we wonder, why can't we find peace? We can't find peace because we hate. We can't find peace because we're angry. We can't find peace because we're jealous. All of our qualities are an antithesis, the opposite of peace. So how can we think if we're walking around with qualities that are the opposite of peace, we're going to find peace? This is pretty nonsensible thinking. And somebody needs to break it down for us so that we can see and understand how we work. And then, once we understand it, we have to begin to apply what we know. For instance, 
If we hate somebody, a simple question to ask is how does hating him or her aid my life? What's it do for me? How does it make me better? How does it make me peaceful? How does it make me transcendent? The answer is self-evident. It doesn't. So then why do you hold on to it? Aha! It's like, it's like, it's like the guy uh, who got a bowl of soup in the restaurant and he says, uh, uh, soup's lousy. He says, taste it. He uh, looks around and the waiter sees there's no spoon. And the guy, he says, the waiter says there's no spoon. And the guy says to him, aha! The, the point is that we should have some of these aha moments. And when these aha moments happen, we should do something about it. So, we need to understand that we need to get rid of selfish qualities. And what is a selfish quality? It's a quality that pertains solely to the self. It doesn't do any good for anybody else. We're, we're attempting to do all the good that we can do in the world for ourselves. We had the blessing to live with a transcendent being. And we were able to watch him for a period of years. And what we saw was that there was no him there. There was nothing about him that was important to him. What was important was truth and the Hak reality. When he would be asked about his personal history, he said, I am not here to talk about my story. I am here to talk about his story. Well, if we can understand that the reality of our story is his story, and we can stop being enamored with our story and focus on his story, then change will occur. And it occurs through service to others, and it occurs through releasing ourselves from all of the various attachments slash karma that hold us in place. So we should further understand that real peace and real joy and transcendent happiness isn't found in this world. And it can't be found in this world. And that's why utopian uh, economic methods or utopian ideas always fail because they're looking to find heaven on earth and heaven isn't on earth. Heaven is when you transcend earth. Now, people can transcend earth, but it's not an easy thing to do. And to be able to transcend earth, you have to rearrange, change, alter your focus 
from being on the world to being on God's qualities, to being on Hak. So our reality has to change. Our reality has to stop being the gathering of what we can within our lifespan in this world to the transcending of this world into reality. We need to be able to make that change. And that happens deep inside the recesses of our being. Our mind is constantly focusing on the world. And if we think the mind is who we are, we are going to be constantly focusing on the world and we will be constantly a tool of our own desire. Imagine, we are a tool of our own desire. We become robotic in response to what we think our needs are and what our desires are. But if we can clear ourselves of these needs, if we can clear ourselves of the desires, we can find that space that takes us into reality, beyond the mind, that space beyond the mind. So how do we get to that space beyond the mind? Well, and the Sufis have different methods. Uh, the Mevlevis, which is a, a name of a tariqat, a, a sect in Sufism, uh, that comes from Rumi, world. And what they do is think about it. They put on a costume, and everybody has exactly the same costume on. And they put on this tall hat that looks like a uh, headstone in a grave, and they tilt it to the side as they whirl. And the purpose for that is so that they create an axis between heaven and earth that bypasses the mind. So they've understood that the mind had to be bypassed, and then they whirl. Now, what does it take to whirl? It takes immense concentration, or else you're going to get dizzy, throw up, and fall over. Well, this immense concentration takes you out of your mind. It takes you away from your ordinary mind ramblings that go through all the day. That's one method. Uh, another method that's used is there's a, a, a Sufi tariqat called the Halveti. The Halveti have a practice where they stare into each other's eyes. And two people, two men or two women, would stare into each other's eyes until they can't tell the difference between themselves and the person they're looking at. And through the constant doing this practice, they lose their sense of duality from other people. Another practice that the Sufis do is called isolation. Uh, you may have heard of it. They put people into a cave, usually an underground cavern, for 40 days, dark, no sound, and they give them a little bit of food every day. And this isolation takes away the external stimuli that keeps you attached 
to the world. Now, what's interesting is that the Sufis aren't the only ones that have practices that do this. Uh, these kinds of practices exist in monasteries, they exist in Hindu temples, they exist all over the world. Practices to take you outside of your mind and to still the mind to the degree that you can get by the constant push of self-centered desire and self-centered need. And it's only when we get beyond that that transcendence into